Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you uh, grab your Bibles real quick? Don't stand up and grab your Bibles. Then we'll sit down in just a second. I want you to, I'm going to get you to turn to two scriptures, Matthew chapter 8 and then Mark 11. We're going to read both of these and then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter 8. Stand with me. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 5, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answers and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not in all of Israel. And then he says in verse 13, he says, Jesus said to the centurion, he said, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done. And last but not least, Mark eleven twenty-three. I could quote this, but I want to read it. Mark eleven twenty-three. Well, we're going to start in verse 20. Jesus curses the fig tree. They go to cleanse the temple. They come back. And in verse 20, it says, Now in the morning as they pass by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. Lift your hands up. Let's just release our faith. Come on, one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release our faith. We engage. We sang it. We've sung it all morning, and now we say it. We surrender to you. We want to know what you have for us this morning. We release our faith to receive everything that you want to say to us this moment, this morning, and for this moment. For it's in this moment that we all gather together. We're here releasing our faith. It's in this moment that I believe that you will deposit something in us that forever will be with us in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, release your faith and say amen and you can be seated. You know, as, uh, as believers, we're on the front lines of the kingdom. Cornell said earlier, he said that it's about kingdom. 
And the Bible says that of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. That his kingdom, the kingdom of God, is always forever increasing. And so, it's like the Lord is saying, you're on the front lines. I want to give you some things to think about. And I was reminded that anytime you get a word from the Lord... Whether you're sitting here and you get a word this morning from the scripture or whether someone comes up to you and prophesies to you or whether the Holy Spirit speaks to you deep down on the inside and says something to you, there's two things that are going to happen. Two things always going to happen. Number one is conflict is going to arise because of that word. Because the strength of the word is where the power is. It's not in your ability to believe it. It's in the word. And so conflict comes to get you to turn loose of the very thing that has the power and the ability to produce in you what's been promised. Conflict is always going to come. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's coming. Now, if you don't get no word and you don't read and you don't do any of that and you're not believing, it's not going to come to you because you're not a threat. But the moment you get a word from God, conflict is going to show up. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm not even taught, I'm not necessarily even, see, because when you change the way you think, you're thinking, well, I got a word to love my brother, or I got a word to believe God for some finances, or I got a word to lay hands on somebody. Heal. What about the word that God has put in you to start a business? That's kingdom. What about the word that God has put in you to see lives transformed outside of church, not just in church? That's a word. Anytime you get a word, anytime you get a dream, anytime you get a vision, anytime something is birthed from inside of you that is from God, conflict will come. It's a promise. You ought to put a smile on your face when opposition comes. Why? Because you know you've got a word because if it wasn't a word from God, he, wasn't, he wouldn't bother you. And if you weren't a threat, he would leave you alone. Jesus said that in this life you will suffer persecution, suffer, suffer persecution, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. How did he overcome it? By the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus, and in that word was all the power that he ever needed to overcome anything. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 21, it says that persecution comes for the word's sake. The enemy does this to test our resolve. He's pushing us to turn loose of the word because we have, because we always have the option to do so. You always have the option. I'm standing up here telling you something right now. Anytime somebody tells you a story or gives you some information, you have a choice to make. You can either accept that as truth or you can reject it. If I said to you after church today, after this service, not after church, but after the service, we're going to eat. You have a choice to make. You can either choose to look over there at that table and see the evidence of what I'm saying and believe that what I'm saying is true and that we're going to eat and partake of some sandwiches. Y'all don't remember that, right, from Martin? What's up? Y'all remember Brother Man from Martin? Raise your hand if you remember Martin. I'm getting old. Er. Sandwiches. Or you can reject it and say, no, I don't, I don't believe what you're saying. We ain't going to all eat. 
It's the same way here when he produces a word, when he comes and gives you a word, whether you see it from Scripture, hear it from somebody, or it's birthed out of you, you have a choice to make. You can either reject it or accept it. And the moment you accept it as truth, and the moment you begin to walk towards that word, the enemy's going to come. Why? Because he wants you to turn loose of it because that's where the power is. The power is not in your faith muscle. The power is in the word. All you have to do is believe the word. The enemy seeks to destroy you. Why does conflict come? The enemy seeks to bring conflict and to destroy you because you have the very thing that he will never have. And that is the anointing, the very image of God. He said, Satan said, I will be like God. And God said, I will make them in my image. That's why he comes after you. Because you're a threat. You don't even feel like you're a threat. You don't even know that you're a threat. But he knows. And so he comes after you. He comes after you to try to get you to turn loose of the very word that is supposed to set you free because you're a threat. The second thing that happens is a choice. You have a choice. Times of great challenge and trial have a way of causing us to go back at the garden. He set them in the garden, and he gave them a choice. He said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you do not partake, but of the tree of life and every other tree you can partake. And we have that choice. Because without a choice, there's no reward. Well, I don't serve God because of the reward. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall what? Shall believe in him. Because that's it. No. Because whosoever shall believe in him shall not. There's a reward. The Bible says that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. I didn't get married because it was a good idea. I didn't get married because it was a good idea. I got married because I found my good thing because there's a reward for that good thing. Children are a heritage of the servants. You better say amen. Children are a heritage of the servants of the Lord. And a man whose quiver is full of them is blessed. Blessed. You have a choice. There's a choice. Your choice, listen, reinforces the word you have received and points the enemy back to the very thing that you and I receive strength to overcome, the word. Don't try to fight it. You just point him. You do the same thing Jesus said. Well, you know you're not going to start that business. The Bible, he said, well, you know your children are going to blah, blah, blah. The Bible says, Satan, the Bible says that if you train up a child in the way he should go, in the end, is it the end yet? The enemy wants you to think that. So the nature of a promise from God is that he goes into the future and he brings that promise to your present. I'm going to use you, Tootie. Is that okay? He brings that promise to the present. He says, that's what I promised you to do. The nature of that promise is he goes into the future because he's the God that oversees and is over all time. He is time. He is everything. He brings that out of the realm of the future and sets it down in front of you for your faith to grab hold of it. That's the nature of the promise of God. He goes into the future and he sets it in front of you. 
And when we experience conflict as a result of that, he's trying to get us, he, little h, is trying to get us to turn loose of the thing that he can't see the future. He can only see what's right in front of him. But he knows that something's there that's different. And so you grab a hold of that, and he can't see everything, but he can see you exercising your faith. And when you exercise your faith, that's when he comes, and you're like, man, I mean, I heard this word, and I started doing it, and all H-E double hockey sticks broke loose. You should rejoice, because if it didn't break loose, then maybe you didn't hear. Maybe you wasn't. Maybe you wasn't. But when you are, and everything's busting loose, and the enemy's coming against you, you know you've got that word. So I want to give you three things from these passages of Scripture that I believe will help you make, that will not only help you understand when conflict comes, but it will help you make the right choice and reject the conflict. Are you following me? Number one, Mark eleven twenty three. He said this, the very first thing that Jesus said was have faith in God. Turn to your neighbor and say, have faith in God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, believe big. Jesus cursed the fig tree. That's a pretty big deal. He cursed the fig tree, which is just, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, Peter was like, whoa, you spoke it and this thing's dying. And Jesus looked at them and he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Actually, the literal translation is have the faith of God. Now, Jesus isn't going to roll up to you and say, Liz, have the faith of God and have an expectation for you to operate in that faith if the faith of God was not already in you. That would be wrong. You can't have an expectation for someone The only reason you have an expectation is because you expect something. You see something, and you're wanting that individual, that person, that child, that brother, that sister, that wife, that husband, whatever you may be, that pastor, that leader, that evangelist, that prophet, that business worker, that co-worker. When you have unmet expectations, it causes discouragement disgruntledness, bitterness, resentment, frustration. Why? Because you see something and you expect them to be at the thing that you saw. Jesus wouldn't look at you and I and say, have the faith of God if it wasn't already there. Listen to me. If it wasn't already there. So then, not only that, Jesus picks the biggest thing he could find, a mountain, and says, if you have the faith, okay, of a grain. If you look at this mountain as a grain of one translation says a grain of mustard seed, one one of the other gospels. But he says, if you look at this mountain and you say, Be thou removed, that's big faith. That's believing big. He said, if you do that and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say, once again, the power is in the word, not in you, it's in the word. Then whatsoever things you have said, not so ever things you believe. And keep believing that you said, but whatsoever things you say, so then you believe and you put your trust in what God has said to you, he said that that thing will be removed and cast into the sea. 
In um, Matthew chapter 17, I want you to turn there real quick. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. There's two passages. This, this story is in two of the Gospels. Actually, it's in three. But in one is in Mark, and the other one is Matthew 17. And in Mark's Gospel, you turn to Matthew 17. I'm going to read it from Mark's Gospel because I want you to see something. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, okay? It says that a, that a, that a boy... This is the boy that was healed. And then they brought him, and he was with them. And immediately the spirit convulsed in him. He fell to the ground and, fo- and started foaming at the mouth. And verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has he been like this? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him into the fire and the water and destroyed him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe. All things are possible. All things. Not some things. I try to wrap my mind around that, and I'll be honest with you. Ooh, that's a stretch. All things. He said all things are possible to him that believe. All things. I don't know of any other woman other than Sarah that gave birth after the childbirth age, at that age, that old, after never being able to conceive. But the Bible says that she received strength to conceive a child because she judged God faithful. She believed God. Now, I wonder what would happen if we sat for a moment, and whatever it is, the mountains, the fig tree, whatever it is that's in your life, what is it? What if we sat back and we just said, Within ourselves, Lord, you've delivered me before. You've ordered my steps before. What if we begin to get our notebook out and we begin to write down all the things that God has done for us? I don't get no amens on that one. I'll go over here to Papa because he'll amen. What if we started making a list, Papa and Granny, of all the things that God had done for us? When you was up in the hospital... And he delivered you and healed you and saved you. What about when, the, when your business was struggling and he, how many times has he come through and come through and come through and come through? And now you told me last night you got so much work, you, you can't get to it all. There's a season that is upon us that doors of opportunity are going to be so great that you're going to have to choose which opportunity you want to take because you got so many choices. It's not going to be door number one or door number one. It's going to be there's 25 doors in front of you, and all of them are blessings, and all of them are prosperous, but you got to make a choice. you got to decide which one. How great of a choice is that to choose between the greater of all of those, and that's the place that we're at. How many times has God done that in his life? She received faith to judge God, and she judged God. She received strength. How many of you are trying to conceive something that you know that God had promised you because the promise was in the Word? He said, I would give her a child. He said, I would give you a child, and I would make a great nation out of you. How many times has God come to you and told you something that you've never been able to do, and you can't conceive it yet, but it's in there. You go to sleep, and you wake up, and it's there. You go to sleep, and that thing's there. 
You wake up, and like a little puppy dog, he's right there looking at you. And you go to work, and you sit down, and you start working, you look down, he's right there looking at you. The promise of God that is inside of you that you know that burns within you and you don't know what to do, you can't help it, but every time you look at it, it's there. You see something. You can't even, you hesitate to even tell it to people because they might think you're crazy. Jesus said, let the faith of God be in you. What if we just took the limits off for just a moment? What if we just expanded our tents and just took the limits off? And we really believe that what we said, Lord, have your way in us. And the Lord said, I'm glad you said that. And he comes and sits down and he goes, what do you want? I'll do it for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, believe big. That same story in Matthew chapter 17. The disciples said, why could we not cast out this demon out of this little boy? People have said, because this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. That's not what he said first. That's not what he said. That wasn't what he said. What did he say? He said, because of your unbelief. Because you choose to say, even though you see the sandwiches over there, you choose to go, no, I don't think we're going to eat today. He comes and he, anytime God brings a word to you into your life, he doesn't just bring the word and that's it. He brings that word and another word and somebody else comes and somebody else comes and somebody else comes and somebody else comes. And you've got this mountain of sub-sandwiches and you look at that word and you have to go, hmm, I either receive it and accept it or I reject it. And you'll have people standing around. You'll have people standing around the table with you going, what? That ain't, that ain't him. And, but you'll have other people going, oh, I see it too. Well, let's just lay our hands on it. I'll pray with you. One more time. Say it with me. Believe big. Number two. I wrestled on whether or not I was going to put number two at number three and put number three at number two, but I decided to stay with where I'm at. Number two, pray big. Listen to me. When he said, when Jesus said, I've not seen great faith, he wasn't talking about in quantity. The Greek word there is not a, is not a measurement of quantity. So you look at Papa Bill. I'm using Papa Bill because he's Papa. You look at Papa Bill and you go, man, I don't have as much faith as he's got. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about taking away everything that hinders you, everything that is in your mind, and everything that has distracted you, and you focus your attention on him and him alone. That's what he's after. That's the quality that he's talking about. When you will believe in, in hope, against hope, believe in hope. And you, you tear away every distraction and everything that tries to withhold you and you believe. That's what he's talking about. So when I say pray, I'm not talking about praying a lot. I'm talking about with quality. Quality. 
That's right. Quality. Say it again. Quality. The heart of God is searching for someone who will answer the need and for someone to stand in the gap. See, I'm not even talking about you. Although it starts with you, I'm not just talking about you. We've heard so many messages about you and me and me, and I'm believing God for this, and I'm believing God for that. But like Cornell said, when you go and you begin to see, something has happened inside of me in the last six months where I have shifted from church to kingdom. I love church. I, I embrace church, the church, the people. But the church is for the kingdom, not the kingdom for the church. Jesus established the church for what? To establish his kingdom, his way of doing things and the right way of doing things and the, the training that is necessary to teach people about kingdom principles. That's the message. That's the foundational principle of the church, not the kingdom to establish the church. And so something has shifted in me where I'm seeing the kingdom. And so when you start talking about prayer, he said that whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, what are we praying for? I heard Chris Hodges say the measure of your faith can be quantified by this. If God answered every one of your prayers, would it benefit you or would it benefit the kingdom? Ow. If God answered every one of my prayers right here today, would it benefit just me and Hannah and Lainey and Brim Brim and April and Mama and Daddy and Papa and Nani? Y'all don't know these names, but Uncle Dan Dan and Uncle Dusty and Aunt Christy and Landon and Waylon. What's his name? What's his name going to be? Ethan. Ethan. What? I see I did get it right. Thank you. Waylon and Haley and Tyler and and then you go on to your extended family. If I, he answered every one of my prayers, would it just benefit them or would it benefit you? Can I tell you a secret? I've been praying for you. I've been believing God for you. Because my mind is shifting. I don't want to just focus on just, the church is to focus on the kingdom of God. God, I want to see kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not just about you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. Come on, there is a sanctified self-centeredness. It, it is about you, but it's not just about you. It's not. It's about those that are around you. It's about others. And the real sign of a mature Christian, a, a believer, give me a believer that's full of faith and I'll show you someone who's believing God for someone else's needs, not just their own. My, one of my spiritual fathers in the faith, Brother Hagin, said the greatest faith is when you believe in God for someone else's needs, not yours. There's two brands of Christianity right now. Really, there's two brands of Christianity that have been that I've seen since Jesus. The first one is truth without grace. You know that you can be right and share the truth and it not help. 
If you're not married, you probably don't understand that yet. <laughs> but you can share the truth and be right. You can be right. You can win the battle and lose the war. Because it's not about, listen to me, I'm going to say something and you don't, just hang with me. It's not about right or wrong anymore. It's not about sin. Sin was dealt with. It is about helping people. That's what it's about. Truth without grace is mean. Truth without grace is mean. The second brand of Christianity is grace without truth. Grace without truth is meaningless. No, no, you, you can't just do whatever you want to do. You, you can't do that because he said if you believe in me, there, there is a, okay, you got to make a choice to believe in Jesus. But we've taken that and applied it to every area of Christianity. Grace without truth is meaningless. In John chapter uh, 1, I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. John chapter 1, this is what, this is what, the, this is what the greatest Old Testament prophet, John, this is what he said about Jesus. He said that John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's the truth that sets people free, but they're never going to listen to your truth. They don't matter if you write from here to the end of the earth. They're never going to listen to it unless you apply grace first. We, sometimes we're so focused on truth, and so when we pray, listen to me, when we pray, we pray truth without grace. We need to pray grace with truth. Ephesians prayers at the very first chapter it says, I pray that the Father of our the Father of our God, Lord Jesus Christ, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That you would know, that you would know something, that you would be revealed to something. He said that the that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you a gift Give unto you, not anything you demand, but not anything that you worked for, not anything that you earned. It is a gift, for this is the gift of God, lest no one should boast. It is the gift of God. And in that gift comes an open door, an open heart to receive truth now that you would not have received had the grace of Jesus Christ not gone before the truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray big. And number three, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that. And I say to you that when you say there's doing something, there's something that you got to do, you've got to act as if what you believe and what you prayed is going to happen. You got to act big.
I heard somebody say recently, don't curse your vineyard. What is your vineyard? Are you walking around your house? And I don't mean cussing. I'm talking about cursing by what you say. Man, my kids don't ever do this. And guess what? They never do it. Man, my wife, she don't ever. Don't ever say never. My wife, never. My husband, always. Never. Don't walk around cursing your vineyard. Speak life to it. Stop speaking death. Stop thinking death. Stop thinking negative. Stop thinking so negative. Stop being judgmental. Stop thinking that everything has to be a certain way. I've had to die to that. I was talking to Papa last night. And we were talking about the plurality of God, the the different dimensions to who God is and, and how He is, and that God can be working with Him right here in this moment about His situation. And God can be working with Ben because Ben is praying for her situation. And He can be working with her because she needs the situation to change. And He can be working with me, and I'm at a different place, and I'm believing God for something else. He can do all of that at the same time and not even break a sweat. If you don't have a relationship with somebody, it's going to be hard for them to receive truth from you, even though you might be right. But let me ask you this. What if you are right, but that's not the issue? The Pharisees, hang on, sports fans, the Pharisees were right. They were. This woman, the law says, you got a stoner. They were right. Were they not right? Did not the law say that? Jesus hadn't died yet. The law was still in effect. Did it? Was he not right? You got to stone him. I saw you smoking weed. You're going you to go to hell. The law says if you sin. Are you fussing or you arguing or you stole something or you committed adultery or fornicating or whatever bad homosexuality. Whatever it is, they brought that before him, and they were right. But Jesus bent down and started writing in the sand. And he stood up and said something to me that is the most powerful statement. It's almost like you want to say this to anybody who comes and tries to put something on you. You want to say, if you are without sin, cast the first stone. We don't need to be casting stones. We need to be helping people with the spirit of grace. And truth. I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway. Act big. Don't curse your vineyard. If you don't change the way you think, now I know how I got there. If you don't change the way you think and you don't change the way you act, you're going to walk around and you're going to hurt your vineyard instead of helping your vineyard. It's not a matter of whether you're right or wrong. It's a matter of whether that person will receive it or not. Johnny. Bobby. Sister Sue, it doesn't matter if you don't have the grace to impart to them. If their heart is not open, Jesus said, leave it alone. 
He said, don't cast out the demon because you come back and the house is clear. They're going to bring it seven times worse. Sometimes it's better just to leave people in the condition that they're in until they're ready and open and receptive to hear what you've got to say. But when they are, don't you step in there and be like, I told you so. Don't do that. This is about administering grace. If, 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 if while we were yet dead in sin, Christ died for the ungodly, then us who have been sanctified, redeemed, and justified, should we not operate in that same spirit towards those who have not? Act big. I heard Bill Johnson say this. He said, what we become conscious of is what we are positioned to release. If you're conscious of judgment and sin, then you're going to release judgment and sin. But if you're consciousness of grace, if you are conscious of the fact that Jesus died for the very people that we sometimes condemn in church circles, if you realize that, then you will now be a, con- uh, a, a, a conductor of that which you believe, and you are positioned to release that to the very people that need it. They don't need to tell. They don't need somebody to tell them something that they already know. They need somebody to tell them something they don't know. I don't know why I like this story so much. I guess it's because it was one of the few times that Jesus marveled. I mean, I could really just stay, I could just stay right there. I could just stay right there. And he said, Jesus marveled. Because the man, listen to me, because the man, the man wasn't even in church. Isn't that funny? that the greatest faith that Jesus pointed out was someone who was not even one of his disciples. I mean, if I was a disciple, I'd be going, I'd be sitting down and going, look, Jesus, we got to talk. How You said that man got grave. I've been following you for three, almost three years now. I want to know what I got to do to, ha- what I got to do to have great faith. Jesus, Jesus was so amazed, I guess because the caliber of faith that he was accustomed to was walking around with, and all of a sudden this guy shows up and he goes, what? Y'all see that right there? And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is it? What is it? And this is what I heard this morning. His great faith was not a result of Bible teaching, but rather understanding a fundamental kingdom concept of authority. His understanding of authority, he then uses that, recognizes it, and accepts Jesus' authority and uses it as his expression of faith. Believing big comes from recognizing his authority, not your ability. Believing big, praying big, acting big really comes from recognizing His greatness in us. He understood authority. He said, oh, no, no, I'm a man under authority. I understand how this thing works. I've heard about you. 
I've heard about them sub sandwiches and I'm receiving that. I've heard about all that stuff. I've been, I've been hearing about all these miracles and you turn the water into wine, you raising the guy from the dead, and you healing the, the girl that was, everybody said she was dead, but you said she was asleep. And everybody was in the room and they was all squalling and crying. And Jesus got them out of the room. Isn't that weird? No, because if you understand kingdom, you understand it ain't weird. You got to get all that unbelief out the room if you're going to get it to operate. He got it all out of the room. He had already heard about that. He said, no, no, I'm a man under authority. I understand this thing. All you got to do is speak it. You just say the word. And the moment you say that word, I know he'll be here because I understand authority. And Jesus goes, what? How much more evidence do we need? How much more proof do we need? How many more times does God have to come through in our lives for us to go, Okay, maybe God will work this out too. How many times, how many more times, I'm not saying that God's intent for you is for your banking account to get to negative every time. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, you've been there before, right? God's intent is for you to live in the positive and now help somebody else who's in the negative. But he works with you where you're at. I mean, you're going to get to the ninth, to the tenth, to the eleventh time, and he's just going to be like, look, I'm tired of this. Now you're just going to have to waller in this negativity for a while. That's not how he works. He is the, 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 David cried out. David was honest and he cried out. He said, how long will you forsake me, God, my God? And then he says, but I know that you're my redeemer. I know that you will sustain me. I know that you will lift me up. How much longer do we stay in this place? He's leading us and preparing us for situations in when we would find it necessary to take His authority and us are authorized to use that authority and effect change in our vineyard, in our realm. You and I can't do that if we don't believe big, if we don't pray big, if we don't act big. And I'm not talking about quantity. I'm talking about quality. It's easier for me to believe God for stuff now than it was 10 years ago. So now I'm like, I find the Lord stretching me to believe bigger. Not because it requires more faith, but it requires a stronger faith quality. I'm going to say this and then, then I'm going to close. You can't afford to have any thoughts in your mind about you that's not the mind of God about you. You can't afford it. You can't afford to have something in your mind that you're meditating on that's not God's heart for you. Matter of fact, I challenge you to write down, go through your... Um, y'all, you younger generation won't understand this, so I can't say filing cabinet because they're like, what's that? I saw a picture on Instagram with the roll-up window handle, and the little kid gets in the truck and goes, Daddy, what's that? That's when you roll the windows down. We used to have to do that when I was little. We used to be able to stand up in the seat with no seatbelt. Still here. Still here. 
You and I cannot afford to have anything in our minds that we dwell on that is not of God, that is not about you. Anything derogatory, anything negative, anything that tears you down, you don't have the luxury of doing that because all it's going to do is choke the faith right out of you. I'm not saying that there aren't things in your life that need changing. Lord knows there are things in my life that need changing. But isn't it great to know that we all have things that we need changed in our lives? So why are we going to try to point out the things in our life that we need to change and focus on that? Why don't you focus on who you are already? And God is well able and capable to take care of the things that are the deficiencies in your life. You don't need me. You don't need me to tell you. You already know. And chances are everybody who knows you already knows too. But if they look in the mirror, they got stuff in them that everybody else knows that who they are. So we all stand in the middle of the cow pasture. No matter how well-dressed you are, no matter how good you look, no matter how nice your hair, no matter how much cologne you stood, you stand in that cow pasture with all them cows and everybody's going to smell the same, right? But what if we all stand in the presence of the Almighty? Sin not being held captive to us any longer. What if we all stand before him as if sin never existed? Now, let's talk to each other and relate to each other from that place and that position. Amen? Stand up to your feet. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to let Miss Laurel come up and kind of give you some instructions. Father, we thank you. One more time, grab the person's hand next to you. Lord, thank you. Father, we release our faith. Father, the, 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 uh, the man said, uh, Father, help my unbelief. I believe and help my unbelief. Father, that there is in our life that we don't believe, there is in our life that we have chosen to reject. Father, help us in those areas. But Father, we all release our faith and say we believe in your ability to help us believe bigger. Quantity believing. We believe that you will help us pray bigger quantitatively. And we thank you, Lord, that you will help us act and walk and speak big quantitatively that you help us Lord the only way that your kingdom is going to be established is by us your children believers actually believing we want to be believing believers we want to exercise our faith to such a degree that the manifestation of the presence of God and the kingdom of God is exponentially increased around our life so that others look at us and say what must we do to get on the train what must we do to be a part of that that the overflow of the faith in our lives spills over into everybody else's lives around us and they are blessed because we're blessed and it causes that grace to come into their life and open the door where we can share truth with them because truth is what sets us free release our faith for that right now in Jesus name help us we receive that help we determine that by faith we step out of this place today and we will believe big pray big and act big in Jesus name and everybody said one more time everybody said good work
reminds me of um, a word I heard Beth Moore say years ago when she was talking about the children of Israel when God was, you know, telling them to go take the promised land. You know, they had seen God, you know, um, the Red Sea rolled back, Pharaoh's army drowned. They had bread coming down from heaven every day. And yet when God said, go take these giants, they said, we can't do that. And see, they believed God could do anything. They just didn't believe God could do it through them. And to me, I just went, wow. We believe God can heal. Well, when was the last time we prayed for somebody that was sick? Can God do it through us? Yes. Yes. We believe God can reach people, right? Can God do it through us? Yes. You just have to take steps and go out and do it. Amen. 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 Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was real good. I don't know about you, but I want God to use me. What other reason is there to live? <laughs> what other reason is there to live? Yeah. Um, so the plan is for this morning, we're just going to pray a quick prayer over the food. And we've got sandwiches and chips and cookies. So if everybody will just, and parents, if you will help your children so they don't take a plate full of cookies, <laughs> you know. But um, we want everybody to get your plate full, come sit down, and then um, pastor's going to come and we're going to have some family meeting and talk about the future and talk about some things going forward. Amen? Amen, amen. Well, let's, Brother Bill, will you pray over our meal? Father, sir, uh, you said all things are acceptable with the thanksgiving thereof. So, Father, we are thankful. We are, first of all, we are thankful for this nation that you have allowed us to be uh, living in, Father, in the provision that you've given us. We are so blessed, sir. So, Father, we declare this in Jesus' name. Food, you are blessed of God, and you nourish our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen.